the Lord in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for your son, Pastor Phil, for the opportunity the Lord you've given unto us to have him to come to minister unto us. You've got a special word, O oh dear Lord, for thy children. Your word will remind you, says, my sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. I give unto them eternal life. <coughs> Father, let your voice issue forth through this vessel. As he stands before you, anoint him afresh. Empower him afresh, O oh dear Lord. Let that word that comes forth from him be the truth that you have appointed for this hour and for this season, O oh dear Lord. It will minister unto us, and your name shall be glorified, because we ask it, and we thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Lovely to be with you again. You might think, dear me, you were only here a couple of weeks ago. Um, I give Paul the dates when I'm available and sometimes it'll be closer or further apart. It just depends on availability and so forth. So uh, it's lovely to be with you again. Um, Daphne's with me this time. She's uh, ventured up with me. So um, I'm going to give her a job. So I'll ask Daphne if she'll come and bring this uh, scripture reading. It's from John's Gospel. It's from chapter 10. And we're going to read, we're going to read 21 verses from John's Gospel, chapter 10. Nothing changes, does it? But everything changes. So where am I reading from, love? Sorry. Ten. <laughs> I'm still blonde. <laughs> no, it's really nice to be here. Um, I said to Phil, walking up the road from the station, it feels like I'm coming home in a way. And he says, aren't you happy in Hastings? Yes, I, we are happy. No. <laughs> we are happy in Hastings. But it still feels a little bit like we're on holiday. And, um, but it's always great to renew friendships and true unity, you know, is about relationships and relationships go on for years, they never end, do they? So whenever we come back, we pick up where we left off, especially Sri Lanka that's always close to my heart. Great. Okay, John chapter 10, what first, Till? <laughs> Citizen now, excuse me. Oh, you tell me when to stop, yeah? Oh, it's a lot of reading. I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate, whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes, only to steal and kill and destroy. 
but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep, so when he sees the wolf come and he abandons the sheep and runs away, then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen, I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my father. At these words, the Jews were again divided. Many of them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Amen. 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 I feel somewhat sorry for Jesus. Constantly he spoke in figurative language. He spoke in parables, even when he was describing things, his language was figurative. And time and time again, the vast majority of people didn't understand him at all. Uh, even here, they didn't understand him. We'll look at these verses. But when he spoke in parables, the disciples came to him, those that were following him, even the twelve, they said, what are you talking about? We don't understand what you're talking about. Can you explain it to us? And so he would explain what he meant. Did you understand this that was read to you? You go, I think so. It was quite simple, quite straightforward. It wasn't confusing. Why was that? How come it was simple for you to understand it? How come you got it when they didn't? May I suggest to you, probably the majority of you are born again of the Spirit of God. <coughs> and so his Spirit, who is the teacher, is inside you. So now when the Bible is read, or you read the Bible, or someone preaches to you, you go, I get it, I get it, I understand it, that's clear, I understand what you're saying. If you share these things to a non-believer, they understand the words that are coming out of your mouth, but they go... It doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand how someone 2,000 years ago hangs on a cross and somehow that act puts me right with God. I don't get it. I don't get it. But we get it. We understand it because the Spirit of God is like the one who is inside that interprets the spiritual truth of God to us. He says, I tell you the truth. He starts there in verse 1. Jesus says that 80 times in the New Testament. In other words, you're not going to believe me. You're not even going to understand what I'm talking about. But what I say to you is true. Whether you understand it or not, this is the truth. And so he, he speaks to them about being the, 
the shepherd of the flock and, and so forth. And then when it comes to the end, it says they didn't understand what he was telling them. It says it there, they didn't understand it. And so down then in verse 7, it says, therefore Jesus said again. In other words, well, I better say it all again. I better say it differently. I better, I better add something to it. So therefore Jesus said again, I'll tell you the truth. In other words, reiterating what he said, I'm going to tell you truth. I'm going to say it slightly differently, but it's the same thing, and it's going to have a bit more explanation. And so he, he goes on to talk to them, and when he gets to the end, at these words, the Jews were again divided. So he always managed to divide people. Isn't that funny? You'd think the gospel would bring people together. All my life, it's divided people. When you preach the word of God, some people love it and some people get angry with you. I just discovered that. <laughs> Jesus were again divided, many of them, not a few, many of them. That's most of his listeners. What did they say about what he was saying? He's demon-possessed. He's raving mad. Why listen to him? We well, didn't go down too well with them. They didn't understand what he was talking about. They knew clearly he was saying, I'm the son of God. That's why he said he was demon-possessed. man's raving mad. He can't be who he says he is. And the others who weren't so angry towards him, but others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Even the others are saying, well, we don't know what he's talking about, but he can't be bad because we've seen him open eyes and do miracles. He can't be bad. But none of them understood what he was talking about. But you do. Isn't that exciting? You've been brought into a place in a relationship with God where God speaks to you in his own language that others don't understand, but you have a person, the person of the Spirit within you, who interprets what God is saying. Aren't you privileged? Aren't you unique people? And God seems to talk in code all the time, whether it's tongue or interpretation, whether it's prophecy, whether it's parable, whether it's dreams, it's all symbolism and figuratively speaking. It says here that Jesus used this figure of speech, talking about sheep and shepherds. He was speaking figuratively. Was Jesus ever a shepherd? No, he wasn't, was he? He was a carpenter, wasn't he? He didn't know anything about sheep. Okay. Is he a shepherd now? No, he's not. He's the saviour of the world. He's the king of kings. He's the lord of lords. You've never been a shepherd. Have you ever been a sheep? <laughs> no, of course not. I'm not a person. I've never been a sheep. See, he was speaking figuratively. Figuratively. He's saying, it's like, it's a parallel. I'm talking about a shepherd and a sheep, but really I'm talking about the saviour and followers. Are you followers? Ah, you are that, aren't you? <laughs> You're not sheep, you're followers. So this is what he's talking. He's talking figuratively. In this that we read, or Daphne read to you this morning, I'm not quite sure what it is. Is it a dialogue? 
is it a teaching, is it a conversation? You see, often he would just be in the marketplace, not necessarily in a church or a synagogue or a place like that, and he would start to speak, and of course, people were just attracted to him. Maybe for the miracles, maybe what they heard about him. But he always spoke with one who was different from anyone else. It was just worth listening to. Even if you didn't agree with him, he was worth listening to. So he speaks to them. In this, he's not speaking about them very much. He's speaking about himself. And so we want to look at that in the context of that this morning. He says just a couple of things about the sheep, which is us, the followers. He says two things about us primarily. One is that we listen to his voice. I've already told you that the voice of God doesn't come to the ear. It comes from the interpreter within inside us. From the Holy Spirit within. He interprets the word. Now even as I'm speaking to you and speaking words to you now this morning, there is a person on the inside of you who can take my words and inter interpret them into your heart situation. Maybe of all that I say, one thing I say really impacts you. You almost forget all the rest of it. Why is that? Because I shouted it louder? No. Because I repeated it? No. It's because the Spirit of God illuminated it into your heart. And it's different things for different people. So he says two things about us. He says, we listen. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Remember? Open the ears of my heart, Lord. It's not about opening these. These can be deaf, completely deaf. And you still hear God speak. I'm a little bit deaf, so I'm very pleased about that. It doesn't cut down the conversation between him and me. And the other thing he says to them to do is follow me. Keep your eyes on me. Keep your eyes on me. Just follow me. Follow me. I might lead you in some funny, difficult places, but keep following me. Keep your eyes on me. Keep, keep going where I'm going. He says things about himself. Let's have a look what he says about himself. He said, I'm not like a thief and a robber. Have you ever been robbed by somebody? They're crafty, aren't they? They do it on the internet, they, they knock on your door, they deceive you, they lie to you, they get you to part with your money. They're very, very winning in their ways. And they conjure. You hear stories now and again of people who have saved all their lives and they've been conned out of tens or thousands or hundreds of thousands of pounds by a beguiling, lying robber. Jesus said, I'm not like a robber and a thief. They climb over the wall and try to deceive sheep. He says, I walk straight up to the door. I am who I am. I am what it says on the can. You read me and this is who I am. He says, I love you. He blasts it out. He says, I died for you. He says, if you come with me, I will save you. Not only in this world, but in the next. It's clear. It's a plain message. He comes straight at you, through the door. Straightforward, not a deceiver. Another thing he says he does here, he calls you by name. 
See, he doesn't just save millions of people and we're all crowded in together. He saved you. And when he says he knows your name, it's not just who Fred or Mary or Bert or whatever. He knows your character. Instead of Moses, he knew Moses. He knew his character. God knows everything about you. Every possible thing about you. Even before he saved you, he knew everything about you, yet he still came for you. He's amazing. He calls you by name. He knows you. That's a very important word, no. We're going to look at that word quite a lot this morning. He knows you. He knows you. Do you know him? Let's develop this a bit further. He said he will lead you, says here. He'll lead you. He will always walk in front of you. Apparently, shepherds in this part of the world at this time walked in front of the flock. Shepherds in this country walk behind them, but they use dogs to, to do what they want them to do. Not so in biblical times. He would be in front, so he would be seen, and to some extent, heard. He'll never leave you. A good shepherd would never leave his sheep, would he? Because he knows how vulnerable they are. He knows how vulnerable we are. He dare turn his eyes off you for a minute, because he knows how wobbly you are. If he turned away for a minute, he don't know what you'll be up to. So he keeps his eyes on you all the time, all the time, all the time. And even sometimes you know he's looking at you and you still do funny things, don't you? He's looking all the time. He's looking because he is not just a shepherd. He is the good shepherd. God, that's reassuring, isn't it? You're thinking... How committed are you to me? Because sometimes my commitment is a little bit... But you are 100% committed to me. You never take your eyes off me for a second. Because you know how wobbly I am. I thought I ought to research shepherds and sheep, not though I know anything in the world about shepherds and sheep, but um, you can get on your phone thing, can't you now, and I've learned how to press the right buttons in the right order, I get a thing called Wikipedia, I'm not sure if it's true or not, anyway, it throws up all this information about where it saves getting books out of the library and things like that, and I've got a fairly extensive library, but it's got anything in there, so, so here I go, boom, 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 Wikipedia. Plenty of some things I've discovered. And, and you probably knew this. I haven't gone too deeply into this. <laughs> Sheep have no means of personal protection. Do you know that? Nothing at all. Well, some animals do, don't they? Some animals can run fast. I mean, you'd never catch them. That's their means of protecting themselves. Some animals have claws. Some have horns. Now, Rams have horns, but sheep generally don't have horns. Some animals have venom in them. They can poison the enemy, blind the enemy. Some animals have camouflage 
that when the opposition comes, they can just cover themselves. They go, sheep have nothing. I can't run, you can't do anything. See, Jesus says, do you know, you're a sheep. You think, oh, yes, never get, why couldn't I be called a lion or a tiger? Or at least an elephant, you know. Ferocious, and now you're a sheep. They have no sense of direction. Did you know that? If they lose the flock or the shepherd, they're lost. Honestly, they're never going to get home. That little Bo Peep is nonsense. <laughs> Honestly. You know little Bo Peep? Little Bo Peep has lost their sheep. They'll come home wagging their tails behind them. Off Wikipedia. I've got the full real poem. They don't get home. They don't get home. You know, that's why she... This church bought me a present, or Daphne and I a present for when we've been there a million years. Anyway, what my son advised that you buy me was a, a, a flight in a hot air balloon. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, did you do it? it? Did you do it? I did it. <laughs> my dear lady wife, she didn't do it. She thought, who, who on earth come up with this idea? <laughs> So, she didn't, she didn't want to do this flying in the thing. I went up and said, no flew with it. Because I'm looking down, and um, I see sheep in the field. <laughs> You're just up there floating for hours. Honestly, well, you, you know, they can, they can, they don't know where you're going. You can't control it. You just float where you're going. They hope that you're going to land somewhere near the base, and they send the thing out. Anyway, I'm looking down, and there's sheep. <laughs> And I see them. I see them in the field. They're all huddled together. And I see one. He runs over here. As though he's seen something and there's nothing. Okay? Because I'm looking. He runs over here. And all the sheep here, in a minute when they wake up, they all run after him. And I'm thinking, you're so stupid. Because he didn't run to anything. Nothing. Maybe he heard something or something blew in his ear. I don't know. But... They're very frightened animals. And so I'm watching these sheep just running around in the field, doing nothing, just but herding themselves. That's their only means of protection, to stick together. Did you realise that? Amen. See, if you wander out of church and wander about out there, the devil will get you. Amen. He will. It's wise to stay in a church. It is wise, honestly. You're safer in the flock than outside of it. So they have no sense of direction. If they fall over, it's very difficult to get up because of the shape of them and their very little legs. I mean, we see cats jumping up and down and dogs getting up and these other animals. But when you fall over, it's like, a bit like an elephant, isn't it? You imagine the problem an elephant would have to get up. But sheep have even harder problems. So when they fall, they need someone to get them up. You know you need the shepherd when you fall over. Did you know that? You can't get up often. You can't get on your own feet again. You need him. But he is the good shepherd. He's watching you all the time. He's the one who goes after the one when the others are safe, remember? Fascinating. And I've said already, they're fearful animals. 
So they're thinking, wow, we definitely need a good shepherd. Because if he left us for one minute or even stopped or fell asleep, we are in big trouble. Then I did some biblical research. That was a lot easier. This is what I discovered. All the great leaders of God's people in the Old Testament were shepherds. I thought about that. Abraham was a shepherd, wasn't he? Jacob was a shepherd. Joseph was a shepherd. Moses was a shepherd. David was a shepherd. These are the great, the great leaders of God. And so the people in the Old Testament were like sheep, and they too needed shepherds. And so God provided them. These great leaders of God were shepherds. Then I thought about in the New Testament. It says when Christ ascended on high, he sent gifts of men and women to the church. Remember this verse in Ephesians? Apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers. In 2,000 years, how many millions of pastors has he sent into this world? If he raises them up and sends them, there are millions of churches in the world, and over 2,000 years there's been millions and millions of churches, and most of them have had leaders, elders, pastors, shepherds, teachers. God has sent them. So God, just as in the Old Testament, <laughs> sent shepherds to lead the people, he's sending shepherds today to lead the people of God. <coughs> Amazing. Finally, my research took me to the 23rd Psalm. Wow, you think that's obvious, Phil. I could have worked that one out. Do you know the psalm? Yeah, of course you do. Of course all of you do. If I said, what's the 23rd Psalm? If I said, what was the 46th Psalm? You'd go, oh, actually, I'm not quite sure about that one, Phil. But you all know the 23rd Psalm. Sorry? Oh, it's the dear pet of the water. Very good. Okay. So we know a few of them. Psalm 53, we might know that one. Psalm number one, you might know that one. Psalm 34, I know. So he gives us the 23rd Psalm. They say, well, I know it, Phil. Do you know it? Do you know it? Or do you know it? What are you driving at? It's if I read it to you, and you remember it, then you know it. That's one way of knowing it. Uh, that's how I know about things that I've read about. I read about them, and I remember them, and I, I remember I know them. I know about these things. I know about gravity. I know about different laws. Of the, I know about these things. But with the scriptures, we can know knowing it in our heart because the Holy Spirit reveals the truth of it to us. Somebody once said something, it's a bit funny really, it said, I know things in my Noah. So you have something in you that's your Noah. So I'll say to you again, do you know the 23rd Psalm? Not that you've read it and remember it and know it, but do you know it? Do you know 
Do you know it? Do you understand what I'm driving at? Is there something happened inside of you that is a living reality? Not just words, not just something about Jesus. In this psalm, and it's written by a shepherd, isn't it? In this psalm, he is saying, the shepherd will look after the sheep. As us, come to that conclusion. In the psalm, he's really saying that Christ is totally committed to his followers. What's the first line of that psalm? Come on. The Lord is my shepherd. Yeah, say it. What's the first line? The Lord is my shepherd. Next bit. I shall not want. So you all know. I know you all know. Do you know it? Do you know it? Know it. The psalm doesn't have to say anything else, does it? Just take the first line. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That's it. That's the end of it. He could have finished there. He didn't have to say anything else. In other words, what he's saying, whatever you want, whatever is necessary in your life to survive as a sheep, I'm there. I'll give it to you. He doesn't give you everything you want. You know that, because you'll keep loads of rubbish on yourself. But he says, as a shepherd, as a Christ, and its followers, I've got everything you need. Don't have to say the rest. But he does say the rest. And so we're going to see what he's saying in the rest. Oh, he says an interesting thing. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. That's just like Jesus said in the New Testament. I know you by name. We could say the Lord is our shepherd as a congregation. Of course we could. He leads us. Of course he does. But David here writes, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Do you know that? Do you know that? That's what you've got to know in your knower. That he is your shepherd and he will supply everything, every possible thing you would need to get home to glory. That's a reality. Then he goes on to say, he nourishes and refreshes. Are there times where you're tired and weary with this Christian life? Of course you are. Amen. Slogging on. Amen. You can say amen to it. Yeah. But he says, listen, I understand you get tired and weary. I'll refresh you and I'll nourish you. Then he goes on to say, he restores your soul. When you mess up, he's watching you, ready to restore you, to bring you back to what went wrong. He guides us, and don't we need his guidance? Some of us all the time. He guides us. He leads us through difficult times when things get tough, he says. He comforts and corrects. He has a rod and a staff. He doesn't hit you with a rod. He just draws you with his staff. He says, this way. But when you go this way and he can't bring you with his staff, you know what he does? He flicks them over and he goes, boom. Because his rod is his rod of correction. Oh, 
How many times have you been hit by the rod? <laughs> you see, you spare the rod, you spare the rod, and you're in trouble. You're in trouble. So if he says, don't spare the rod, he won't spare it on you. He wants to bring you with your staff gently, pulling you along over here. But if you stubbornly refuse, he'll give you a whack. Praise the Praise the Lord for his wax. Because he wants to bring us along the right path. He comforts and corrects us. He faces the enemy with us. Praise the Lord. Have you ever been under demonic attack? Oh, it's uncomfortable. And your kids and your family, you see it for what it is. That's so demonic. He says, listen, I'll never leave you. I will never leave you. I've made preparation for this attack already. Mm-hmm. So come on, let's go for it. Let's tear his head off. Let's go for this thing. Let's destroy this enemy that has come to destroy you and yours. Christ's total commitment to your well-being is unreserved. <laughs> well, you knew that. Did you know it? <coughs> Do you ever get worried? Do you ever get worried? Because you're you're a past member of my flock. <laughs> See, if you know it, if you know it, I understand the enemy comes to torment. But when we know him, just focus on him, not the problem. And he will meet all of your needs. That's what it says. You have to know it. We only get to know it when we've been through some difficult stuff. Why? When the devil has nearly ripped our head off and destroyed our family, but we've seen Jesus come through for us again and again and again, that's when we know it. You don't want an easy life. You never learn anything for heaven's sake. You go, we'll have a little break now and again. Okay, you can have a break. But there's nothing easy about it. What's easy? There's nothing easy about church. Nothing easy about family. Nothing easy about marriage. There's nothing easy about work. There's nothing easy about getting money. There's nothing easy about paying all your bills. Nothing easy about anything. Why? <laughs> you should know. You sat in front of me for so many years. You should know. In it, in it, we get to know Him. Amen. Who wouldn't know Him otherwise? If it was all plain sailing, we wouldn't even talk to Him. We just be partying all the time. Thank God for every difficulty, every trial, every obstacle, every difficult thing. Thank you, Lord, because in it, I get to know you. Praise God. It's horrible going through it, I know. But stick together. Stick together. Look to Jesus. There aren't other solutions. They're simply the ones he's put here. This, just one more thought before I finish. This I know you thing. Here we go. John. We're back in John 10 now. It says in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Got that? (coughs) Then he repeats the thing in verse 14. This is what he says. 
He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Okay. I know my sheep, and my sheep... Does he know you? He does, doesn't he? He knows everything about you. Do you know him? Yes. You're supposed to know everything about him. As much as he knows you, you know him. Listen what it says. And Florence, don't be surprised, because we're going where you read this morning. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father. Now, this, this will blow you away. How well did Jesus know the Father? I'll tell you how, how well this relationship was. It was from eternity. That's a long time to know someone, isn't it? I've known that for 50 years, and I think I know her. Eternity. 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 He knew his father for eternity. They were on the same wavelength for eternity. They weren't at odds with one another. They never had different opinions. They never argued about stuff. They had one mind. They were the only two in existence. How about that? What a depth of relationship. Jesus could honestly say, this God, this Father, I've known him for eternity. We're the only two that exists. We're 100% in agreement about everything. I know my Father. And I'll tell you something. My Father knows me. Here you go. something else. And you know what he says? He says, I know you. You know me. Now, let me read this to you. Florence, why did you read that this morning to us? Were you in the spirit? Were you listening on your phone to what I was preparing? This is what it says. I'm going to read the same verses. My prayer... Jesus said, and he's praying for us, is not for them alone, not just for the disciples or the apostles that were there. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's you. We believe in Christ because of the message that the apostles have handed down from generation to generation, and we now believe in him. What is his prayer? That all of them may be one. All of them may be one. That's the point that you're making, that we would be one. <coughs> All of them will be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. They're one. There's nothing that separates them. It's as though they live in each other. There is no deviance. There is no second way of thinking about things. Maybe, may, it says this, may they also be in us. Or, it isn't just a question of me being at one with you, but I'm at one with you, you're so at one with me, and we are at one with him. 
they may also be in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. He said, just as I and the Father are one, I want them to be one, and then I want them to be one with me and the Father. This is incredible. I in them and you in me, may they be brought to the complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. When we are at one with Christ, I am in Christ and Christ is in me. The glory that is in Christ is the glory that is in me. Then I can be one with you. If I'm not one with him, I can never be one with you. It's true, isn't it? That's true. The Father and the Son are one. Jesus says, I want to be one with you, just in the same way I'm one with the Father, and then you are one with me and the Father, and when you're at one with me and the Father, then we are at one with one another because we're all at one with the Father. shepherd and I know my sheep I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and my sheep know me past tense past tense he's done it he's made you one with him <coughs> you're going to work at it you're going to try and do it you're at one with Christ. Because you couldn't do it, could you? How could you make yourself one with Christ? You can't do it. You can't do it. Just like you couldn't save yourself. You can't do it. You can't change yourself. You can't make yourself more righteous, more holy. You can't do it. <coughs> he does it in you and through you. He works in you to will and to do his good pleasure. Oh, praise the Lord. I thought it was down to me for a minute. I thought I had to do something. He grants you a relationship. Now, you know it's there because whenever we open the scriptures, you know what he's talking about. But do you fully realize what it is to be one with God? You say, well, I don't get it. I didn't understand Jesus either. But you have the Holy Spirit within you, the one who will guide you into all truth and all understanding about being one with him. See, the Father and the Son have an eternal oneness. It'll never be separated. It was separated at the cross for the very purpose of bringing you into the oneness. He had to come out of the oneness to bring us all into the oneness. Isn't that fantastic? That's why he severed the relationship. 
And he drew us all into this one relationship with God and the Son. You haven't got to work at it, you've got it. You've got it. The fact that you might know that you've got it is another matter, but you have got it. This oneness with Christ, this oneness with God. In being united with Christ, we too have this eternal oneness with the Father. One day you will be in heaven with the Father and the Son, and it will be like, you'll say it's like this, it's been like this forever. It's never been any different. This oneness, you'll see Jesus and you know exactly what he's thinking, or what he's saying, or what he's doing. You are at one with him. This salvation isn't sort of the washing away of your sins. It was that. But it was a drawing you into the oneness with God. Amen. You say, I don't get this. The only way you get it is you get before the Father. Amen. This week, any time to say, Father, what on earth was Philip talking about? Is he gone completely bonkers? Or is there truth in this? I am I at one with you in some supernatural eternal way that I don't fully realise or understand. Yes, you are. See, when you realise what you have, you can't help but love him. When you realise that the Father and the Son trust you, do you know they trust you? So you trust them. The Father and the Son loves you, so you love them. The Father and the Son, they respect you, so you respect them. This is this one supernatural, eternal oneness in Him. The Father and the Son honour you, so you honour them. The Father and the Son worship you. Ooh, Philip, the Father and the Son worship you, so you worship them. What do you mean by worship? They don't bow down before you, but they give you what you're worth. They recognize your worth. They recognize your value. They recognize how important you are. They recognize that you're a child of the living God. They recognize that you're a child of His, and they give you the worth, that which you are worth. I have children, and I know other children, but my children have greater worth to me than these others. So giving them their worth, I am worshipping. That's what it means. He sees you as you are in Christ. And he says, I would give anything to live with you eternally. Oh, you're joking. God wants me in his presence for an eternity? Yes, he does. Oh. He is so committed to you, you don't realise it. He truly is the good shepherd. And you really are that sheep. Isn't it so exciting? Jesus is so wonderful. And this gospel is so glorious. And this life is so fantastic in Christ. 
you say, oh, Phil, there's pain and there's disappointment and heartache. I know there is. And we're all going through it. Don't fuss about that. Pain of some sort or another, misery and disappointment. But lift your eyes and see the relationship you have with a living, eternal, almighty, wonderful God. And you are in him and he is in you. Amen? That's the gospel. That's the gospel. Not that you're a dirty, rotten sinner and Jesus can cleanse you of your sin. Yes, that's the tiny little bit of the gospel. This is the gospel of who we are in Christ. Praise his holy name. Meditate on this. Get the reality of this in your soul. The danger is. You become a religious follower. And there is nothing more sad than a person who has been given millions of pounds and they are living in a hovel because they don't know what they've got. And God has made you as wealthy as his son. Amen. If this hasn't blessed you, then nothing will bless you. Let's pray together. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, Lord, we preached ourselves happy this morning because we focused on Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who took away the sins of the whole world and drew us into himself, that we are now in Christ and Christ is in us. Thank you for this wonderful salvation. Thank you for this glorious life that we have to look forward to in you. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We bless you. We honor you. We worship you. Lord, we're just overwhelmed with gratitude and love for you. And we're proud to be your sheep, Lord. Your follower.